and welcome back to the Profile Pod. I'm your host, Double A, here for another spectacular episode of the pod. Thank you so much for tuning in, wherever you're tuning in from. If you're here on the audio platforms, the video platforms, it doesn't matter because the good news is that you're here with us. And uh, we have another great episode in store. We got our guest standing by. And before we move on, let's go ahead and just do some of the housekeeping items. Don't forget to like, follow, share, subscribe on YouTube to the Profile Pod. Give me that feedback on Apple Podcasts. Leave me a rate and review. It's all good. I'm always interested in what you have to say about the podcast, how you feel about it, what, what's your opinion? Because I value that feedback. It's important to me. So don't forget to do that. And, and for the most part, everybody's good with that. Uh, you know, you always get a, some good feedback on whether it's Instagram or or whatever the case may be. So thank you everybody for doing that. And uh, this is the Social Nostra Network. This is the network of talented creators and podcasters now available on all major platforms. So go check out Social Nostra. There's something there for everybody, man. A lot of podcasts there. So check it out. Um, this is the podcast, the profile pod that brings on individuals doing extraordinary things in life to inspire the human spirit. And tonight we have a gentleman doing just that. He hails out of Bakersfield, California, originally, now in Los Angeles. He's a director. He founded, co-founded, I should say, with uh, Pen Penwheel Productions. Uh, he's created several apps uh, that we're going to talk about, lyrically speaking, and music are, are what they, they're called. And uh, he's, uh, he's been, he's had films screened in and or a film screened in Cannes at the Cannes Film Festival, which is uh, Depth of Field, the name of the, the film. And we're, we're, we're gonna get into all of this. He's uh, a graduate of the Los Angeles Film School and he's here to talk about all of it. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome for the first time on the Profile Pod, my man, John Urenday. How are you, brother? I'm good, man. You, you did your research. <laughs> yeah, when you, you mentioned know, Los Angeles Film School, I was like, "Wow, okay." <laughs> <laughs> hey, you know what? A, a good podcaster always got to do some research, man. So yes, yes, yes. That that mm -hmm. one caught me off guard. <laughs> oh, is that right? Okay, okay. That yeah, was man. good. No, of course, of course. But how you how you doing, John? Thanks for being here, man. I appreciate you taking the time, and um, it's great. It's it's great to have you on. Thank you, man. I appreciate you having me on. It's a uh, it's it's been good. It's been a a good year so far. Really good, exciting. Yeah, yeah. I was you know checking out your Instagram and doing that research. You know, I, I see you're doing your thing, man, and you've done some big things already. And uh, I know you got some stuff cooking already and and, and moving forward. So um, yeah, man, it's it's great to to see that you're you're an like I said, man. I bring on individuals here that inspire, you know, and and you're you're no doubt doing your thing and inspiring myself and you know many others man so thank you i appreciate that absolutely man absolutely man but uh so yeah yeah let's jump let's jump right into it man you you hail from bakersfield man you you uh you were there you you grew up in bakersfield right i grew up in bakersfield yeah and uh you now you're in los angeles doing your thing Did the so the first time you came down to los angeles was that for or you know uh, to live or for, just in general was it was it to attend los angeles film school um no actually i was here before film school i was actually i used to be a, a rapper so oh, i used okay. to be an artist I used to do music um the label i was on was called greenside records 
So we actually had a house out in Silmar, California. Um, so that was the first time actually living here. That was like 96, 97. So I was on a label with uh, a few, it was like the first Latino hip hop label. So they were comparing us at the time. We were like a No Limit, Death Row, but we were Latinos. It was Lighter Shade of Brown, Junebug Slim, Night Owl, myself, and a couple other artists. Oh my goodness, man. Yeah, Night Owl, rest in peace. Um, what what is uh, what, what did you go by back then as an MC, <laughs> as a rapper? My rap name? My rap name used to be Sick One. Sick? Okay. Okay. Yeah. Man. Yeah. Now, now, was that was that your first love, John? Would you say uh, rapping um, or or yeah? At the, at the at the time, I mean, I started out as as an artist, um, you know, and I used to do you know demos and did shows and toured and you know wrote for some artists. So it was actually that was I, I would actually say that's where everything started from. If I don't think if I would have went the music route i don't know if i would have ever made it to the film side mm -hmm, mm -hmm. why do you say that um the music stuff kind of opened up a lot of doors for me um i met a lot of artists you know doing the touring and stuff so I, I met artists i got to um you know when you're writing music you know you kind of have these ideas for music videos and things like that so your brain's already kind of moving in that direction um you know writing lyrics just turn like i have a verse that it was like went from writing licks to writing scripts you know oh. so <laughs> it's literally what i went from i went from writing lyrics to writing scripts and mm. you know I, I, it was the it was an easy transition easy transition so um i mean i i still hear a beat every now and then and like i'll just stop whatever i'm doing and i'll be like just you know i'll just start writing i actually i i had my partner in pinwheel he's like heard some of my stuff and he was like why don't you record some new music and i was like you know what i'm going to and i actually recorded a new song probably like maybe six months ago first time being in the studio i probably hadn't been in the studio for probably maybe six, seven, eight years. So it was nice just to be back in the studio, called my old producer and was like, hey, you got some beats? Send me some beats, man, I wanna do something. So yeah, I still I still get the urge every now and then. Yeah, man, I mean, yeah, I, I bet you you uh, you can't take the, you know, the MC out of, out of the, the, I mean, you can take the, the MC out of the studio, uh, <laughs> you can't take the studio out of the MC, right? Yeah, you can't, man, you can't. There's, I, I I I write everything. I mean, I write scripts and you know poetry and you know I just constantly writing. And so I like I don't I and it's not that I want to put the music out. It's kind of just for me to kind of just be like, yeah, I can still do that. You know, I can still jump on a beat. I can still you know rock some shit. I, I don't. I hope you don't mind me cussing, but <laughs> you oh, know, man. I, no, no, I. <laughs> <laughs> the FCC is yeah, the FCC is gonna find me. And then, no. <laughs> no, 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 of I, course, I, I love it, man. It's 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 still there. It's still you know, it's it's something that I'm still just like, oh man, you know. Like I said, if I hear a beat nowadays, I'm just like, you know what? Let me write. And so I got a few songs that I've been writing, and I'll write, you know, 
couple verses, come back to them, you know, a couple months later and just write again. And it just depends. But yeah. I, I still got, that's, that is literally my first love. Ah, that's awesome, man. Wait, can you spit some bars maybe later on? I don't know. <laughs> I can if you want. <laughs> oh, is that right? Okay, yeah, just throwing it out I, there. Man. I don't mind. I don't mind. I, I, you know what? Like I said, it's it's still my first love. I, I, it's it's something that, you know, even when I recorded the song, you know, I maybe showed it to like four or five friends. You know, my girlfriend showed it to her, and you know, a couple friends, and I was just like. I listen to it you know it's it's for me yeah. you know for me to sit in the car and be like yeah you still got bars <laughs> <laughs> uh, toot your own horn yeah yeah man I, I love yeah it, yeah man. yeah did you go did you tour and stuff too John toured with Light and Shade of Brown we used to I mean we were doing shows with everybody back then you know we did a, a lot of shows with Baby Bash did a lot of shows with all kinds of artists, Johnny O, all kinds of people, yeah. you know. So we I definitely, you know, was in that group of people at that time. Um, and I mean, we went to Texas, Colorado, we went everywhere. And it, it was uh, it was a great experience, great experience. I wouldn't change it. Gosh, man, and you, and you're, you said uh, 96, 97, right? Around 96, there? 97, yeah. Yeah, you know, back in, those days I was in the Navy. Those are my Navy days. And, you know, I was in the state of Washington and we would, uh, you know, we would miss home, you know, we, and we'd kind of gravitate to the other Latinos, the other, the other dudes that were from, you know, SoCal and, and California yeah. in, gen in general, but uh, we, we would listen to everything from, uh, you know, Kid Frost. I remember he had an album that came out in the mid nineties, 95 ish around there. Yeah. I uh, forgot the name of the album, but uh, the, the one where he was, it was uh, like the snow and he was the, uh, I that can't one. remember the name of the album, but I, I know it's one you're talking about. Yeah. I had Smile yeah. Now, Cry Later, all that. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. It's a family affair. Yeah. 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 That album, man. And we would bump that. Uh, the Mexicans, Proper Dos. Uh, you know, what's what's interesting. Mm -hmm. um, if I don't know how much research you did on me. I actually started a documentary called uh, For the Record, the story of Latinos in hip hop. So I haven't been able to finish it, um, but it's literally what I have filmed so far is like all the West Coast artists. I mean, we got Kid Frost on there, Proper Dose, the Mexicans. I mean, we got oh. everybody on there, Scoop DeVille, um, Tony G, um, a, lot of, a lot of people on there already. And the only thing that was kind of uh, stopping us because we wanted to get a lot of the East Coast artists as well because um, that's where it started and a lot of people don't realize how when hip-hop started there was a lot of Latinos that were there in the very beginning that started this movement and there's no documentaries out there like that there's nobody talking about it it's just kind of you know it is what it is type thing so I actually was able to start a documentary. I'm I'm gonna finish it hopefully very soon. Um, but that is, it, you know, it goes with the music thing, you know. So my music stuff kind of um, allowed me to reach out to these artists that I've worked with before that you know I knew and was like, hey, I'm doing a documentary now, and it's you know on Latinos and hip hop. So everybody that we have interviewed so far, you know, totally into it, and they're like, yeah, we need to tell our story, man. Like. It's not, it's not done. It's not done.
Mm, wow, man, that sounds super intriguing, man. I can't wait to to see that. You know, yeah, like oh, man, said, there's, there's, it's exciting because I know even now from when we first started it, like the artists that are now, you know, around, I mean, there's a lot of good artists that are out now, you know, you got King Little G and you got Snow the Product, Reverie, you know, you got a lot of artists that are, that are doing their thing still and new and, you know, it's, it's really awesome to watch them, you know, find their lane, you know, from, from people like Lighter Shade of Browns and the Kid Frost that, you know, paved the way you know, Be Real and Cypress Hill and all these people, Mellow Man A. So it's yeah. it's really, you know, they're they're called the Godfathers for a reason, you know, Kid Frost and Mellow Man Ace. And, you know, so, I mean, without them, we wouldn't have, you know, these artists that are now, you know, doing their yeah. thing. I mean, look at Snow the Product, dude. She's dope. She's dope. And she's, she's in her own lane and, you know, and doing her own things. And, I, I think I saw like a, a post from her the other day. She just did a song with Ludacris. Like that's so, wow. that's so dope. No doubt, man. Yeah, it's it's a beautiful thing, man. How far, you know, the, the Latinos have come in hip hop, man. And it's, uh, you know, it's it's nice to see that. It really is. Yeah, on in general, not just here in in, in California with Chicanos and and but throughout the 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 the, uh, the country. You know, on the yeah. East Coast, you have a lot of, uh, you got you know, the big puns, you got the, you know, Joe the Fat and Joes and everybody like that, Nori, and yeah, there's so many artists, man, you know, even down, you know, down in Texas, you know, like the Baby Bashes and, yeah. you know, all of that, you know, there's so many artists that are Latinos and have a voice and they're doing their thing. And that's, that's why I got into that documentary and, like I said, I come from being an artist, so I know the story wasn't being told, and I want to tell that story. Definitely, man. No, I can't wait to see it. Can't wait to see. It. I know you'll be promoting that. When, when, oh man, I, it out there. very soon. I think we're going to be back to filming that really soon. I see that happening, and so we can complete it because, like I said, it's something that the story needs to be told, mm -hmm. and you know, it's it's a good story. I, I heard great stories, you know, sitting with Frost and sitting with Mello. And I mean, you know, like just hearing, uh, I, I had a chance to sit down with Tony G and Tony G is telling us these stories that, you know, like just traveling with Kid Frost. And he's like, I remember we were selling tapes, you know, we'd go to shows and we'd have to, you know, Kid Frost would have to sell, you know, his cassettes out of the trunk. So that way we could get to the next show to promote This Is For La Raza. Wow. So, like, to hear those stories, you know what I'm saying, that you don't really, nobody really gets to hear, you know, it, it was, there's a lot of good stuff, man, a lot of good stuff. Man, let's see, uh, some, it's a, a hidden treasure there, man. Yeah, yeah, it, it's, it, it, it's exciting, I can't, I'm, I'm excited to actually uh, complete it, and I'm, I'm hoping that'll be very soon. No doubt, man, I'll be looking forward to that, man, and. But uh, you know what? What what was some of your? Uh, who were some of your influences as as a hip hop MC, man? Who? I, I'm a. I mean, I'm like you said in the beginning. You know, I'm from Bakersfield, but I I've always been an East Coast artist. I love East Coast stuff. Like, mm -hmm. um, you know, I love Big Pun. You know, 
Nas and Wu-Tang Clan and things like that. So when I was growing up, you know, I was listening to a lot of East Coast rap. Um, you know, I still got love for the West Coast stuff, obviously, but my my heavy influences when I was writing was East Coast stuff. Mm. East Coast artists. Yeah, yeah, no doubt, man. No, I, hey, I love... I'm a, a West Coast to the heart, man. I, I grew up out here and, it, it, you know, but I appreciate what they've done in the West, on the East Coast, man. I mean, that that's obviously hip hop originated in the Bronx and the East yeah. Coast, New York City, and that's the Mecca. And they get their props, they get their, their due, their due uh, props. And, but uh, yeah, man, it's, it's, but I, I, I love what we, what we have out here too, man. I, I, yeah. I appreciate it just as much, you know? And, yeah, exactly. So, and, and that's why I said the story needs to be told because, you know, it's it's not told. And we deserve our shine just as much as everybody else does. No doubt, man. No doubt, man. So where where did this transition then start to take place for you then, John? Where What was that, the final um, moment? Or or was it maybe a, a process that where you started getting into film, film production and directing? Well, what it was is um, when I was on the record label uh, at Greenside, um, this is like, like I mentioned, you know, uh, No Limit Records was out and they had just released their very first movie. I'm about it, about it. Mm. And then Ice Cube released Friday, um, another uh, outside of hip hop. Um, there was a movie called Swingers. So all these movies oh, yeah. we were watching, you know, were being done for like a quarter of a million dollars. And the label was like, you know what? Me and the artist Junebug Slim actually on a drive from Sacramento to LA, we were going to Lighter Shade of Brown's record release party, came up with an idea. Um, and we, like I said, this is before, you know, YouTube and, you know, all of this. So like I went to the library, like picked up scripts and books to learn how to write a script and wrote a script. Me and my partner wrote a script at the time and next thing you know we the label at the time was based out in the bay area greenside and we moved the whole label from the bay area to la uh silmar california and we were out there and edward james almost production company picked up the film everybody was getting added to this thing like it was like a me familia but for hip-hop we were like the eight mile before eight mile and then just something just happened to the label and all of a sudden it the whole thing just vanished mm. but that started me so like i was already in that transition um you know figuring out how to write scripts and that is what ended up moving me out of that because i was like i i enjoyed it i liked you know the process of writing a script and i got one of the, one of the one of the compliments that ended up getting from Edward James almost at the time was like, they're like, who wrote this? And we were kind of like, you know, like, oh shit, he's gonna, you know, he's gonna kick our ass right now. <laughs> and he's like, you know, who wrote this? And we are like, we wrote it. And it was like, did you guys go to school for this? Like, you know, how did, how did you write this? And like, no, we didn't go to school for it. <laughs> and it was like, Damn. this is a really good script. Like it's raw, like it's real, like, like it's it's truthful wow. and we were like well you know that's what we were living you know at that moment you know we were we were artists trying to find our way out of the hood and you know and 
everybody does, you know, some type of, you know, bad stuff along the way. And, you know, you're trying to start your music career. And so we wrote that story and, you know, it didn't happen with them, but uh, we ended up, me and two other friends got together, me, Junebug, and another friend named Mikey. Uh, we all got together, put up some money, each of us, went and bought a camera off of eBay, and we shot the movie ourselves. Wow, man. So eBay, now we're, we're talking maybe early 2000s now? Or, um, or how long 98, 98, okay. 99. Got yeah, it. 98, 99. So you shot it yourselves and... and, and shot it ourselves, you know, called up friends. You know, there was no... There was no real actors in it. It was just like homies, you know, like, hey, okay. what are you what are you doing Saturday? Come through. You know, we need some people to sit on the sofa. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh-huh. Yeah. So it's it was, you know, we had friends that, you know, donated their houses, you know, for a couple of days. There was, you know, people brought cars and, you know, we, in Bakersfield, we kind of knew a lot of people. So our resources were pretty good. So, you know, hey, I need a nightclub to shoot a scene in, you know, yeah. all right, you can use the nightclub on, you know, we don't, we're not open on Sunday nights, so we'll open it up for you. Cool. You know, so it was, it was definitely a lot of homie favors and a lot of homies. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Hey, man. And so you directed that, that particular directed film? Directed it. Yeah. Yeah. And, and, and I mean, you had obviously no, no formal training or anything. Not uh, one bit. Not one bit. Just uh, like I said, I used to, I was very big on the library in that time of my life, <laughs> <laughs> you know, uh, picking up books and just reading stuff and, you know, kind of, you know, watching, watching a lot of movies, mm, you know, mm. it's a lot of copycatting, you know, even still to this day, you know, yeah. oh, that's a cool angle. Like I, I, I can probably do something with that angle. You know, oh, I like the way that was lit. You know, let me uh, let me see if I can kind of match that. You know, so it's uh, yeah, I learned from you know other movies and books like the technical stuff, and then after shooting that is when I went to film school. Okay, I was gonna say. So what what happened? You shoot this this film, your first film, and then you know what 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 kind of uh, happened next? So you decided to 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 to, to do it. Uh, to get some formal training going to film school now yeah yeah I, I was married at the time when I shot uh the first movie and then uh, I went through divorce and kind of like in this you know stage in my life where I'm like what am I gonna do you know what what's what's my next move mm -hmm. and at that point I was like you know what I'm gonna go to film school like I'm just gonna go to film school and I'm gonna see what I'm doing right, see what I'm doing wrong, and meet people that, I wanted to work with people that were skilled in areas that I was trying to do myself. Yeah. <laughs> so that was what I went to film school for. And literally every single chance I had, I was running out of equipment, shooting something, shooting anything. I was shooting everything and anything I could possibly do. Wow, man. And what year was this? That was uh, 2007. Oh, wow. Okay. Yeah. 10 years later, after doing the, the rapper stuff, fast forward to two, two, actually 2006, fast forward to 2006, 
and I went to film school. Okay. Now, when you went to film school, did you find like you were doing a lot of things right or wrong or a lot of things that um, you didn't know? What was the biggest surprise for you? The biggest surprise for me was just learning the fact of no matter what you do, the only way you're going to get better is doing it over and over and over and over. That's that's it. You know, you can't call yourself a director if you're not shooting stuff constantly. You can't get better. Like, it's just, it's just what it is. It's like anything. You know, you yeah. want to make the best hamburger in the world. Guess what? You're, you're going to have to make a, a shit ton of hamburgers <laughs> and you're going to figure it out. You know what I'm saying? You're going to figure out your your one recipe that you're like, you know what? Try this hamburger. Super dope. And then, you know, your friends are tasting it like, dude, how'd you get there? Well, it took me, you know, a thousand other hamburgers to get here. Yeah. No, seriously. <laughs> that's, man. All that's all it is, man. It's, it was just, if this is what you want to do, that was what they taught us. If this is what you want to do, you got to just do it. You got to keep doing it and doing it and doing it. To quote wow. LL Cool J. <laughs> what was that so I imagine uh, you 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 networked during your time there and definitely did. Some, yeah, yeah. So definitely so what did. happens after LA Film School? You, you graduate. You know what? You know what's really interesting. Like I said, I had shot I had shot the first movie before going to film school. So I had this movie when I went to film school. I had already finished it. It was done, but I, I didn't even know how to get it out. So I ended up the like within the first 30 days of going to film school, I find the distribution teacher. I go and take in my movie and I'm like, look, I have a movie, you know, check it out. Let me know what you think. Um, and he's like, why are you going to film school? You already have a, a whole movie completed. I was like, I came to film school because I want to learn what I'm doing right, learn what I'm doing wrong. And I was like, I, I'm, I just want to, I want to know, like, you know, like I'm, I'm in it. I'm, I'm ready to do this. And as soon as I graduated from film school in February, 2007 and March, 2007, he released my film. Really? So my distribution teacher is the first person that released uh, the first movie we ever shot. Okay. What's his name? Um, his oh. name? Oh. His name is Pagemon. Pagemon Petrelli or something. I, I can't remember his last name. Wow. But he was my distribution teacher. So about a month after you left then, right? Yeah. He was like, he was like, I can't release this while you're in school. But as oh. soon as I was out, he ended up releasing it. And it did pretty good. Like it was like it was in a it was like in the Walmart. Uh it was in Walmart. It was like uh <laughs> it was in a bunch of places. And he was like, he's like, dude, like your like your movie's selling really good. Like, you know. <laughs> For that type of movie, he's like, it's, you know, it's doing, it's doing numbers. So we're, it was exciting. It was fun. You know, it was something I did before film school. He's actually, he was the reason that ended up, he gave me um, the initial money to start my second film. After film school, I used all my film school buddies. And now I'm like, I know a few actors, you know, and things like that. So the second film was, you know, a little bit better quality and, you know, uh, actually was able to have some actors involved. And I worked with a lot of artists um, because at the same time I was doing, a, I had a TV show called The 99 Cent Show 
plus I would already known a lot of artists. So, you know, I reached out to, you know, Bash and I was like, Bash had a group at the time called the Stewie Brothers. I was like, hey, you know, can I get the Stewie Brothers in the movie? So I got them in the movie. I happened to know Roscoe Molly. So I ended up hitting up Roscoe Molly at the time. And he was like, yeah, I'll be in it. Reached out to a couple of uh, FHM girls that I knew and was like, hey, you want to do this? Um, and just reached out to people that I knew at that time kind of had a social media that like, they call them now influencers. You know what I'm saying? Yep. So like at that time they weren't they weren't called influencers. They just, you know, had a following and right. I knew they were going to promote it. So I reached out to these people and was like, hey, you want to be in a movie? And because I knew they would promote it. Yeah, man. No, you asked that to anybody. Hell yeah, they jump on it, man. Hell yeah, they do now. <laughs> yeah, right? Yeah, 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 no doubt. And what was the name of your the first uh, movie you did? The first movie was called Stereotype. Stereotype. And, yeah. and how long and is that? The second, one, the second one was called Cruising. And Cruising was like an updated version of American Graffiti. Oh, okay. So it was like one night, you know, people cruising for the night, and you had instead of the Wolfman Jack, I had Roscoe Molly being like the radio DJ. Uh, the Stewie brothers played themselves, you know, so like this group that stops in at the radio station, you know, they do a, a meet and greet at, you know, at a restaurant. So I had that, like, it just, I was able to, uh, same thing, like in Bakersfield, I just have a lot more resources. Um, yeah. So, you know, people were very, uh, quick to be like yeah you can use my restaurant yeah you can use this yeah you can use that and um the city of bakersfield itself you know you need a, i need a whole street all right we'll give you the street and you know um and i was able to shoot shoot the cruising scenes on this one street and you know i just have car clubs we're bringing cars like every night and it was really interesting because we shot the whole thing like 90 percent of the film at night wow like, I yeah. gotta check that out, man. Cruising. It's out there. It's out there. That that one actually went through Redbox, Walmart, um, Amazon Prime, like all those things. So that one did that one had uh, some good legs on it as well. It, you know, for those type of films, um, you know, there were there were a lot of uh learning experience for me, you know, and it was uh like I said, it was the first time I, I got to work with some actors and, you know, um, they weren't just the homies anymore, you know, turned into <laughs> homies, you know, but, uh, you know, actually to people that like were trying to, you know, hone their craft as well, you know, so that was, that was awesome. It was really awesome. No doubt, no doubt. What was the length, on, what's the length on cruising? Uh, it was like around nine, it was, an, it was a full feature. So it was like 90, 95, something like that. 95 minutes or so yeah so when you look back at at stereotype and then cruising like the the level of uh knowledge the level of confidence man that the level of growth from stereotype to cruising talk talk about that man talk a little bit i mean um, main difference it, 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 it was it was substantial it was substantial um i think it was it was in the way of uh, my confidence in working with now there was people that, you know, I was working with a real cinematographer, you know, I was working with 
people that know how to light. You know, I was working with actors and I had to learn how to deal with actors and like it, it was it was different. It was different. And, you know, uh, you know, outside sets, you know, you know, trying to shoot a cruising scene and, you know, I got like 12 cars on this side and 12 cars on this side and, you know, like, all right, everybody, when I say action, you know, all the cars move this way, these cars move this way, you know, go slow and like people walking in the background. So it was like, it was, it was bigger. It was, it, it, it was a, it was a very big difference. The other one, you know, we were shooting it at, at houses and, you know, a living room and a front porch <laughs> and, you know, a couple people here and there, you know, so it wasn't, it wasn't as, uh, it wasn't as big, um, uh-huh. but it was definitely, I don't regret any of it. I don't regret any of it. It's, it was all learning. I mean, to where I'm at now, you know, which we'll get, you know, we'll get there. <laughs> yeah, no doubt, man. But, but like when you shot cruising, was there a level of, uh, I know your confidence level was higher, but was there a level of like nervousness or maybe some, some a little yes. bit of anxiety or? Yeah. Yeah. There, there was, um, cause it wasn't my money, you know, stereotype. It was, you know, three friends, you know, it was our money, you know, and, but this was the first time I was actually using somebody else's money. And <laughs> that is, that's the terrifying part, you know, cause you're like, like what happens? Like if, you know, it, it's not good. What happens, you know, if, you know, what happens, you know, now I'm responsible for this debt. <laughs> right. Right. No, the, 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 it sounds like the stakes raised in every way, man. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Financially, yeah, professionally, uh, every aspect. Yes. Know? Yes, it was. But yeah. like I said, it ended up getting picked up through Red. It sat on my shelf for five years after we had shot it. I had all these different types of people like, hey, we're going to sell your movie. We're going to do this. We're going to do that. I let all kinds of people do it and nobody ever sold it. I finally just said, you know what, I'm going to do this myself. And I took the film and there's, uh, there's this convention thing that happens in uh, Santa Monica every year in November called AFM. And yeah. I literally went to AFM, got tickets, went to AFM, had set up meetings. This is how actually me and Bobby ended up meeting because me and Bobby used to be in a in a in an old Costco together. He had a law office, and I had a one of the very first live video radio stations, the Core Live. And I knew he was a lawyer, and I had meetings set up for cruising. So I was like, "Hey, man, do you want to come out to AFM with me and like, you know, help me negotiate these things and you know deal with these people?" And he was like, "Yeah, of course." Like, you know. And sitting between meetings, you know, I ended up finding out he used to do movies before he was a lawyer. So, you know, we just like sitting there and conversating and we kind of came up with some ideas. Then, you know, I literally, that was the time I sold that movie. I went in November by March, what, four or five months later, it was out. And like, we came out through red box and all that. So that was, you know, like it just, I had to take it into my own hands. I had to, you know, not let anybody else run with it. And I just finally had to be like, you know what? 
I'm going to do this myself. I'm going to get it out there. And I did. And shout out to your partner, Bobby Cloud, of course. Yeah, yeah. Which is the Bobby we're referring to. You co-founded yes. Penwheel Productions. And of course, we'll get into all of that. And, yes. and uh, you know, but who, who uh, now, you know, you did, uh, going back to cruising, like, did you start to develop uh, a, a style? You started developing your own style. I know, I can imagine, but did you have, who were some influences as directors, man, that, that, that um, you kind of looked, looked up to? My really influences, copied? I mean, obviously, you know, you got the Quentin Tarantinos and Robert Rodriguez. Um, <laughs> definitely, you know, people that I was, you know, I admired at the time. I'm a, I'm a very big Alfred Hitchcock and Scorsese fan and Coppola. Like, I love what they do. Um, you know, obviously Spielberg does his thing as well, but I love Alfred Hitchcock's way of, there's this, sim, there's this simple thing that he does where he can have you in a scene and hold you there with no dialogue and yet you're stuck and you're like, you know, this mystery and suspense. He knows how to, he knew how to build suspense with nothing. And, you know, on the film after cruising, um, that's where I really started to develop that. And the film after cruising was Lost Souls. And one of the greatest compliments I ended up getting after Lost Souls was it had a very Hitchcock feel to it. Mm. And that was probably one of the greatest compliments I've ever had. I can imagine. Yeah. yeah. And were you purposely, I mean, using some of those techniques from Hitchcock in that yeah. film? Yeah. Uh, you know, it's funny because, you know, working with the budgets that I've, I've had to work with, you know, um, they're not big budgets, you know, I mean, they're cool. They're, they're very, you know, cool, but, um, you have to figure out a way to make something intriguing to somebody in film school. They ended up telling us, they're like, if you can turn off the audio on your movie and watch it and still have it make sense to somebody, and it still be compelling, that's what mm -hmm. filmmaking is. You know, it's it's moving pictures, you know, and in picture you, you can't, there's no voice behind a photo of, you know, a, a photograph, you know, a, a painting, it's just right. there. And if it can make you feel a certain way, like that's an awesome thing. Um, and so working within the budgets that I had, I had to figure out a way to, build suspense and my films had suspense you know and there's the thing uh we call it the the jaws effect um if you know the story about jaws you know steven spielberg had this had the had the shark and it kept you know failing it wasn't working so he had to improvise on how he was going to build suspense mm -hmm. you know and so the music that he used in it created the suspense, you know, and just this one little shot of, you know, somebody, you know, moving around in the water, but that, that, that long shot of just seeing them in the water 
you know, you as an audience, you're watching and you're like, oh shit, what's going to happen? What's going to happen? And <laughs> I learned that. I learned how to build suspense. And I learned this technique of, you know, it, like I said in Jaws, you know, you don't really ever see the shark really do anything. It's in your head. That's it's true. literally in your head that something so horrible is happening. You see blood in the water, but you never saw Jaws eating somebody. Like, think about that. That's true. Like, our imagination is so much stronger than what we visually see. And I, I carried that over. Me and Bobby, like, had these long discussions on, on how to create that, you know, how to create these what's more terrifying if i show it to you it's not as terrifying you know you're already like oh you know there's blood oh man that's horrible and you know blood's flying out on the screen and you know yeah. that's very quentin you know very robert rodriguez you know you see it you see the the head you know explode we don't have that luxury so we got to work within our budget you know so it was like how do we create you know suspense and in in that world that we were working with and i learned how to do that and that's from you know alfred hitchcock and you know steven spielberg and jaws you know those moments where you're just like it, it i hold these shots and you your brain starts to do your own tricks your imagination is scarier than what you see so that yeah. alfred hitchcock is one of my my biggest influences gosh man that, that is super cool man playing on it's, it's psychology i think it comes down to huh yes uh, yeah. yeah yeah you know talk i wanted to get into your your experience with uh depth your film depth of field which was uh screened at the Cannes film festival yeah and now in uh what year was that john um we shot that october of last year oh gosh yeah. that recent that yeah. Recently, yeah yeah shot in october of last year and it was uh you know i've been doing these movies and you know i was finally told like you know as far as the director you have a great style you know it's your but my name didn't have any value to it and so i was told by several different people you need to do some film festival stuff you need to like you need to, I mean, I was very fortunate, you know, stereotype and cruising and things like that picked up and they sold, you know, they, they had an audience, you know, and, but I knew who my audience was when I did those. Um, and they moved, you know, they, they did what they were intended to do. Mm -hmm. um, but it didn't, it didn't establish my name as a director and the movies that I've done with Bobby, um, we're still movies that got picked up. Um, but this one was something that we really uh, wanted to make sure we were making it for film festivals and we're gonna run the film festival circuit with it. Um, it was interesting because when we did screen it in Cannes, I sat in the back and watched the people watching it. And there was a man that was in front of me, older man, um, probably maybe early 60s, late 50s. And he had a pair of glasses on. And I saw him kept, he kept taking them off. 
he'd rub his nose and he'd put his glasses back on. He'd oh. take them off again, you know, kind of clean his face. And <laughs> when we finally got out of the movie, I saw him. He was still in tears. His eyes were red. And he was like, I cried like I haven't cried before in a movie. Wow. He was like that, like he goes, that really, he's like, don't sell this movie. He's like, run the festival circuit. And we were like, oh no, that's what it was made for. It was made for film festivals. And even our uh, PR, uh, Jasmine, a spot of PR, um, mm -hmm. Jasmine watched our film. We got the greatest compliment from her. And she was like, I watched this movie and I haven't cried since I watched The Color Purple or The Joy Luck Club watching a movie like this. Wow. She's like, this is why I got into this business. Like, mm. this is, it's it's a good story. It, it's, it's a really good story. It's about a man dealing with grief and, you know, losing his wife and child. And, uh, you know, he meets this, uh, foster kid that lives next door she's a girl about 14 15 years old and halfway through the movie you find out that she's dealing with the same thing she's lost her mother and so you got two angry people in two different worlds um and the first time they find a friendship uh it's between them and he and he they find it he teaches her how to fly a drone and he teaches her photography and you know so he's like finally getting back out there uh and living his life and she does she is too and so you watch this uh friendship and the friendship saves them and by the end of the movie you know he says that to her he's like you saved me she's oh. like you saved me and it, it is it's a very uh it, it, it'll it'll get you. Me and me and Bobby have this term called Kalima. You remember uh, Indiana Jones Temple of Doom? Yeah. And where the man sticks his hand and grabs his heart, he pulls it out. And he's like Kalima. Yeah. Like that's what me and Bobby call what we're trying to do with movies. Like we want to reach in, we want to pull your heart out, we want to make you, we want to make you have an emotion, you mm. know. And that's our term, you know, Kalima. Like if we can go in there and, and rip your heart out, we did our job. <laughs> no, but you know, shifting gears a little bit, John, before you know, coming up on time a little bit. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, I wanted to come, I wanted to talk about your your the apps that you created, lyrically speaking and music. Talk about that a little bit. What what are those all about? Give us Man, a snapshot. You know what? It's funny because you know, like I said in the beginning, you know, I I started in music. You know, and I still got love for music. So, yeah. you know, there's, you know, I've, I've, in between movies, like I was looking for something to do in between working on movies. And so it was kind of, and then the pandemic hit and, you know, I had all this free time on my hands. So I was like, you know, what am I going to do? And I came up with Lyrically Speaking um, and Lyrically Speaking was just a game uh, it's an app. It's a game, music trivia. Um, it's got uh, hip hop, pop, 80s, country, rock, um, R&B. And basically you go in there, it'll, uh, if you do single player, uh, it'll give you like three minutes 
if you do a group group play uh, it'll give you like three minutes as well and it's just it'll ask you a question and you just like you know uh sir mix or no uh, what do we uh billy uh billy idol and it was like you know uh the white wedding i forget the part to it but uh you got to fill in this, these blanks, you know, so it'll give you like three options. You pick the, the right answer, you know, you move on to the next one. You pick the wrong answer, you know, and uh, it was it was funny because we actually played it live because I was shooting a commercial for it um, right before we had at beginning of May and got a bunch of friends together and we played it. And it was awesome to watch everybody like people are singing the songs, you know, and everybody was just totally like, it brought back memories for people, you know, you know, yeah, they, yeah. on the, on the full version, it will mix up all the genres. Um, so like, you know, you go from, you know, a hip hop song and then, you know, you go to a R&B song, you know, so it was like all these listening to everybody, you know, a group of people over here that knew a lot of R&B you know, a couple of people over here, new country, you know, so it was, but to hear everybody be familiar with these songs and it just, you would hear everybody like start singing all together, you know, they, it was a song that they all remembered, you know, so that one is a really, it's, that one's fun. It's really fun. And uh, it just came out. It'll be out on Apple soon, but it's on Google play right now. Oh, yeah. okay. Awesome. Yeah. But it's yeah. not available on, on the Apple store yet. Uh, it uh, we're hoping it'll be up within the week. Uh, it's it's wow. literally done. We're just waiting for an approval from Apple. Um, so that's it. So it's done and it's ready. Just waiting for them to be like, yeah, you're good. So uh, that's exciting. And it like yeah. I said, the, the group play is it's it's fun, man. It, it's really fun. It's uh, to hear everybody be familiar with these songs and. You know, it just, it's nostalgic, you know, for a lot of people. So it, it's, it's fun. Man, I got to check that out too, John. You're, you're leaving me here with like uh, salivating, man. Like, I want to check all this stuff out. <laughs> yeah. Well, very intriguing, yeah. man. Peaking and my then, interest here. Yeah. And then music, music is an app. Uh, like I said, I used to have a. a I sit behind uh, you, man, on your computer screen there is yeah. the logo, yeah. right? Yep. I used to have a. Uh, an online live video right this before they even had the term podcast so in 99 i had created uh, the very first 24-hour live video radio hip-hop station so this is in 99 wow. like when people would go on to watch the 24-hour station this was still dial up 56k 28k <laughs> you hear the yeah. <laughs> hey well but you AOL, yeah, you'd hear all that, you know, and we oh, were doing, man. we had this, you know, radio station. And like I said, you know, even in the, in the movie Cruising, you know, I've always, I've had a love for artists that nobody knows about, you know, people, you, you, you interview a lot of artists and, you know, they are able to come to a podcast like yours, promote themselves because it's hard. It's hard. If you do not have a big budget, you're not going to get radio play. You know, you, your fan base is your reach, your social media reach, or, 
you know, to be blessed to do a podcast like this. So, you know, that has a, a little bit more of a reach, you know, mm-hmm. but it, it takes going on a lot of different podcasts to yeah. find a fan base, you know, um, no doubt, no doubt. and there's so many talented artists and that's what is really, it sucks because, you know, the average person doesn't know where to find new music. You know, they go onto their Pandora, their Spotify, and, you know, they type in, you know, the type of music that they like and, you know, give me more 50 cent type stuff, you know, give yeah. me more, you know, Chris Stapleton type stuff. Right. And music is created to, the world is now in a place where we're so quick, so quick. Just give me, give me the, give it to me quick. Microwave, you know, give it to me quick. And music is an app that will play 20 seconds of a song. And if you like it, then you swipe up, you'll get a small bio on that artist or group. Uh And you'll hear three other songs from that group. If you don't like it, you swipe to the left and you go to the next song. And you just keep going and you just keep going. And you go down the rabbit hole if you choose to. And it is, there's no, uh, there's no algorithm to it. So there's no, you can't just go to it and be like, just give me hip hop. No, yeah. like you'll hear a hip hop song. And then right afterwards, you'll probably hear a country song. You know, you might hear a Spanish song. Gotcha. You know, you might hear a reggaeton song. You might hear, you know, some hard rock. There's just, it's literally to open up people's mind to new music, new artists instantly. So like in, in my ideal idea of this whole thing is that an artist who might start out with a hundred fans get into the music jukebox and by the end of the day they have an instant brand new fan base instantly because people's attention span is so fast you're going to go through a hundred clicks you know and automatically you might you might find yourself you know having a thousand new fans instantly like to me that's an amazing thing man that's uh <laughs> super cool man yeah man you're a man of many talents john you're many and is, is music available now um music we're looking for artists right now we're so we're looking for artists to submit their music we're trying to build up the jukebox um i'll send you a link for that uh but we are looking for artists so i see you got a lot of artists that go to your uh to your podcast and listen to you and promote themselves so I'll definitely send you the link. We are looking for music um, and all genres. So it doesn't matter what it is. We just, we want to, we want to help artists, you know? And like I said, I know how hard it is to create a great song and be a great artist and not have the money to show the world how amazing you are. And that's what music is going to do. That's awesome, man. Yeah. Yeah, and I can't wait to see that, man. And you know, John, we're, um, before we go, man, you know, I, again, I want to thank you for coming on, man. It's been such a an educational experience here, man. With talking to you, John, and yeah, send me that link, man, because I, I will share that and uh, you know help you get get it out there. Thank you, man. I appreciate it. Absolutely, man. Absolutely, John. Before we wrap things up, John, where can the good people find you? Where can they connect with you? Uh, find your um, films, all that for uh, the movie stuff. It's like Instagram at Penwell Universe. 
like a writing pen, Penwell Universe uh, on Instagram. Um, and then on Instagram and TikTok, we have Lyrically Speaking app, Lyrically Speaking app. And then uh, music is music app on Instagram and TikTok and all that. Um, but yeah, that's uh, those are those things. Ladies and gentlemen, John Urenday, filmmaker extraordinaire, director, app creator, man. This, he's uh, just an artist uh, all around and very versatile, talented. And uh, once again, I want to, you know, I'm grateful for having him on. Um, go follow him, go check out his work. You will not be disappointed. And uh, yeah, thanks again, John, for Thank being you. here, man. Thank you. I appreciate it. Anytime, man. Anytime. There it is. Ladies and gentlemen, I want to thank you for being here once again, if, whether it's on the audio, Social Nostra, IGTV, Roku TV, uh, wherever, man. Uh, you know, Pandora Radio, whatever the case may be. It's always a pleasure being here, your host. Don't forget to like, follow, share, subscribe, support the podcast, support Social Nostra. And we're going to keep rocking and rolling, man. That's what it's all about, is just doing what you love to do. I hope that uh, my, my aim in this podcast is to inspire others through our guests who are doing extraordinary things and doing what they love to do. And that, that's what it's all about, man, and building community. So go do something you've never tried, that you've always wanted to try, and just take action, man. That first step is the most, the only difficult step is just to take that leap of faith, man. So uh, for John Urenday, for Spada PR, I'm... Double A, your host here at the Profile Pod. We will see you next time here and uh, with another outstanding guest inspiring us all. Until then, ladies and gentlemen, always remember to take it easy. Peace.